Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. Welcome back to ReChurch's podcast put out by Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. This is Marshall Fant. I have Bruce McAllister here for our second part on what we're calling common traits among growing churches. So, Bruce, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thanks for letting me interview you, Marshall. Okay, so I'm, I'm not taking over your role, but just felt like you have a whole lot to offer in this area, both from your own personal experience at uh, Harvest Baptist Church in Rock Hill, over 21 years of taking a very small situation and then seeing the Lord bless and growing to over 250 people and good solid growth in evangelism and discipleship over the years. So we've talked about some areas that are important, some common traits of uh, growing churches in uh, the first part on this, but we'd like to pick up with talking about the assimilation process. Right. So you're in the community, people are interested, some people are visiting, and so what happens at that point when they they come in the doors of your church, they visit on a Sunday morning, and then you're, you want to take it from there, assimilation. Yeah, again, I learned a lot from a lot of godly pastors as I would talk and inquire. And one of them said something very, it made an impact on me, why should God send guests to your church? So I believe if you're prepared, you're praying, and you have a set discipleship process in place, that God will bring those people. So after looking the way different churches did it, we came up with our own assimilation process. And again, a lot of good men do it differently, but there's a process in place that takes someone from a first-time guest all the way to becoming a disciple-making believer. And normally it would look something like this that I found that churches that do it well. Um, if you and your wife visit our church, we find a way to make sure we greet you without making you feel uncomfortable. Um, and from that process, we know that you are uh, somebody that we, are, we want to love and interested in. And so we used um, a card in every bulletin to find out who you were. At the end of the service, the cards were taken up as part of the offering. What we found in most churches in our culture, now we're recording this in 2019, the guests want to come in. Number one, they've already viewed your service online. Mm-hmm. So they know where they're coming. Yeah. They know what to expect. But when they get there, okay, do they really want to just kind of feel this out? So the preaching of the Word of God should be confrontational because we confront the, with the truths of God's Word, with the love of God. But everything else, we try to make them feel as comfortable as possible. So with that, we enclosed a card in the bulletin and then it was everybody to fill out a card, including our church family. So everyone's filling out a card. Everybody's aware of that. Everyone's doing it. The announcement is made. And then part of the card would be your name, your contact information. And the other part of the card would be spiritual decisions you're making. And we tell them that we believe God answers prayer and God wants you to take the next step of faith. We're here to assist you in that. So anyway, you got to find out who they are. So from that, uh, they would fill out a card. Then we would have a follow-up the next week. We, um, we learned from other churches. We did it with a loaf of bread, huh. unannounced. Good. 
So we Bruce, used that too in church planting back yeah, years ago. We, yep. yep. My so, wife makes homemade sourdough bread. Yep. Yep. Uh, this was actually purchased at Walmart. Okay. <laughs> but we put a label uh, from a local bakery. Thank you, Harvest Baptist yeah. Church. Anyway, yeah. so we had a team. Yeah that devoted a quarter a year. So, you know, three months they would devote. We did it on Wednesday night. So we already had a nursery in place. Yeah. We had a youth group in place. So a couple could go yeah. make a visit, but they had to invite them to something. So we had an ongoing, what we call it, Harvest one-on-one class. So in this class, a first-time guest would then be invited. We'd run it during Sunday school, always going. is yeah. on a 13-week cycle, come in at any point. When you finish, you leave at any point. But through those 13 weeks, several things happen. Number one. You taught it, right? I taught it. Uh-huh. So the yeah. senior pastor gets to know the new yeah. people. Yeah. And they get I've to know I've sat in on that class okay. one time. Right. I'm pretty sure. I've seen the material. So yeah. there is a set agenda. But what I find, people appreciate getting to know the senior pastor and what the church is about. So I think a common trait of growing churches, there is a assimilation process so people get to know the church, the church gets to know the people. Okay? Part of the assimilation process was, again, not just unique with us, but other churches that I observed doing it, if you and your wife attended, I would then, once you come to the intro class, I would invite you to do a Bible study with someone, couple to couple, two on two, to understand the basics of where you are with Christ. Are you a believer? Are you not? And then how to help people grow and change. Everyone went through it, regardless. We had a, um, a pastor and his wife retired from the ministry. And Bruce, he, was, he had ministered about as old as I was. I mean, he had been in the ministry forever. So he shows up. Pastor, I said, this is a little bit awkward, but this is what we do. And this is why we do it. Everyone goes through it. So then you turn around and take people through the same book. He said, I would love to do it. So everyone, so again, part of the assimilation process is getting everybody, number one, are they a believer? Lead them to Christ. Bring them to baptism once they understand what that's about. But then they understand where they are spiritually and where the church is. And so growing churches passionately proclaim who they are in Christ, what the church is about. And basically, I think even the recent surveys, churches that ask for commitment of time People are willing to commit. Okay. So i got to walk back through this because okay. I'm, I'm learning some things from you. All right. So this couple, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, show up at your church. Right. Day one. Mm-hmm. You, you've never saw them before. Mm-hmm. And so they come to a Sunday morning service, and they're going to fill out this information Lord card. Lord willing, the they'll end. fill out this card. I mean, yeah. I mean, your people are friendly. Mm-hmm. You're going to mm-hmm. try to – you don't do you publicly say anything to them directly from the pulpit? No. Okay, you don't, do not. You let them be fairly anonymous. Yes, you know, they are coming in to observe. You have yeah. people who are alert to those kind of people yes. visiting the church that mm-hmm. are being extra friendly and focused. We have greeters okay. that are, should be aware. Right. Yeah. So you have a very intentional way of doing it. So then someone makes a call to them, a, a home call uh, for a personal visit, a couple visiting a couple or whatever on Wednesday night. That. That yes. next Wednesday night, the next three Wednesday. days later. Did people usually accept that? Was that a mixed response on the part of the visitors? All right, let's back up first. All okay. right, on the card, if they fill out a card, right. the copy of the card with whatever spiritual decision someone is making goes to the person making the visit. Okay. So if you are part of our visitation team, and part of the visitation team was in the intro class, 
when you walked in the info uh, class, you yeah. would see the person that visited you. Yeah. So you got a personal invitation. Yeah. All right. So it would be unannounced, and if nothing else, uh, the bread was left. Uh, okay. And we did this up until the time I left, and all those times, Bruce, I'm sure someone may have complained, but never did they call the church and say, I dare you come follow up. Because what we found huh. is when they fill out a card, they were giving us, that's almost the freedom yeah. to come and visit. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now again, not all first time guests filled out a card. Okay. But the other part of gaining information through the card was when, again on Sunday morning, my personal philosophy was I present the gospel every Sunday morning regardless of the text, because okay. God was bringing in people that need to hear that. I found people would respond on a card. I need to talk to someone about this. I have a problem. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, two stories, uh, and again, this is not original with us. Okay, okay I learned this from talking mm -hmm. to another church that did a wonderful job of reaching the community for Christ. So again, let me go back. This card, everyone in the church fills one out. Members, nice. regular attenders, and we have this family discussion on Sunday night or Wednesday night because what we have found as everyone in the church is filling out a card, guests then feel comfortable filling out yeah, a card. Yeah. We're not passing a pad down a pew gotcha. where your daughter signs her name and somebody down the pew, whoa, yeah. I don't want that guy to know who my daughter is. Yeah. All right, so yeah. it's in the privacy of a card. Yeah. We move the offering to the end of the service in order to get the cards back. Right. So after the message is preached, when we open the service, we explain the card. Every service. Wow. And then the cards were presented as part of what we do. And on the card uh, was a place for two key things, prayer request. And we publicly proclaimed that our pastoral staff would pray for every prayer request every day. Oh, if it's on that card, wow. you're assured someone's going to pray. Wow. Secondly, the spiritual decisions that came in on that card, and again, all this is part of our methodology of yeah. reaching people, yeah. which I think is biblical. On those cards, I'm going to give you two illustrations. I received a card from the mother of an adult who is visiting our church. He brought his mother. She checked on the card. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I would like to talk to somebody about it. She did not raise her hand during the invitation. She did not come forward. She did not speak to me after the service, but she put that on the card. So when I got the card, I called her son and I said, his name was Randy. I said, Randy, would you like to talk to your mom or do you need me to? He said, no, I'll handle it. Bruce, she suddenly died two weeks later. Hmm. I think God brought her there and His sovereignty and His grace to hear the message. So two weeks after she filled out that card, I preached her funeral. Wow. One more illustration. So there was another young man that came into our church, showed up like 10 minutes after the service started. He sat in the very back corner, the back row. After the service, he slipped out the side door. I never met him. I never saw him. I never, he never raised his hand. He put on the card. I have a problem I need to discuss with someone. If I die today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. Please help me with this. He put all these things. So I called him the morning I got the card, which was Tuesday morning. And I said, can we meet for lunch? Or I said, can we meet sometime this week? He said, how about today? I said, would you like to meet for lunch? He said, can I come in right now? Hmm. 
Bruce, this young man had left the AA meeting in Rock Hill, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Our church was on his path home. He stopped in. God was working. He was a self-admitted drunk. He, he thought he was suicidal. He didn't know the difference between Buddha and Christ, but God was working. Amen. And he got saved. Amen. And he is also now with the Lord. I'm not saying if, you yeah. get, if you're a guest of Harvest Baptist <laughs> Church, you, you're going to die in the next few weeks. But what yeah. I am saying is I am an advocate on an intentional plan yeah. of welcoming guests yeah. in yeah. and then bringing them to an introduction class where they learn about the church. So, Marsh, it's very interesting to me to hear you say all this. So when a, when a guest comes to your church, they are going to get the distinct impression that you are eager and willing to offer personal spiritual help immediately. Yes. I mean, that week, whatever the need yes. is, and you are identifying those needs through this yes. information you gather from them. And if they don't want to spill all that day one. They don't have you know, to. And, of course, many people probably do not. But others are ready, and God's Spirit's been working, and it's like fruit ready to be picked almost. And Well, I credit, at least in our church, our people, because they wanted God to work in lives. And they prayed every Wednesday night for God to send guests in that needed the Lord. And so it was our people praying and seeing God work. And by the way, I do believe growing churches also have a time of testimony, yeah. especially on Sunday night. Mm -hmm of people telling how God had been working. And all this gets into that yep. snowball effect. Yeah. And growing churches get to see what God is doing in lives, and they're unashamed of their, of their Savior. You were there 21 years. How, yeah. Can I ask, how, how far into those 21 years did you come into this methodology? Much too late. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you had the attitude going earlier, but it was just, you developed this over time. It developed over time. As I, just, oh, I love to talk to pastors, yeah. uh, even pastors outside our immediate circles, that I knew were burdened for the unsaved. Yeah. What do you see working? Yeah. How does it work? Explain to me your process. Because regardless of where you are, I found people that were burdened to see people saved and then come to Christ's likeness. They had thought through it. So all I did, I just begged and borrowed other information yeah, and then applied it to what worked for yeah. us at that season. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we have this initial that we've been talking about, initial period that's mm -hmm. a first week or two or whatever. So now hopefully they're, they're enrolling or they're coming to your pastor's class. Introduction for, class, for yes. That lasts 13 weeks. Yep. And then probably somewhere toward the end of that period, you're trying to hone in on either their need to get saved. By this time, I've paired them up with somebody in the church. Okay. And so they can meet with them on Sunday night or Wednesday night. And that was the hardest thing I had to get over. Okay. Because, again, we had security teams in place, child care in place, yeah. nurseries in yeah. place, youth groups in yeah. place. It's not an extra night of the week. It's not. And yeah. we want to build the family, not yeah. destroy the family. Yeah. So what another night out? Now, they can do it yeah. another time if they want yeah. to. So all that is going on during this 13 weeks. And then when they finish the discipleship material, which is our particular one was eight lessons, but took about 13 okay. weeks to get through, then they would be ready for church membership. So how, or How many times did you teach these people in Sunday school? So in that Sunday school, I think Sunday school hour, right? Right. Was it 13 times? Are you it, at least 13 times. Uh, but a lot of them chose to stay and go through it a second time. All right. So... And so you're covering what this church is like. It's yep. bigger topics. It's not just doctrine, but the one-on-one -on, -one on Wednesday night would be more of the doctrinal. Yep, yep. They're getting aspects. they're getting that one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
Anything else then on assimilation? I mean, there's a membership process, I'm sure, and baptism if they need to be baptized. Yeah, there is. And again, we celebrate all of that. Uh, We celebrate baptism. We love to see people baptized. It's a joyous occasion. It should be. Any growing church is going to love baptisms. I think uh, one thing we did find, and again, I learned this from someone else, that when this couple joined the church, the couple that discipled them was up front with them. Oh, okay. So it gives identification. And, and so you're just, seeing this type of thing happen visibly in the church, baptism, conversions. Ongoing. On a regular basis. Yes. And then not, that just feeds more and more, more, and more. enthusiasm into it. It does. And more people get on. It does. And as people yeah. see God working, they want to be a part of and it. Did you have a pretty high percentage of your people involved in that discipleship efforts on Wednesday night, would you say? I mean, We would always uh, like more. Yeah. But we understand some people, yeah. they, they just don't go there. Yeah. But we, you know what? We love them. They got other gifts. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But we expected everybody went through it. Mm-hmm. And then how they applied it, we wanted them to be making disciples. But right. anyway. That's great. Well, let's, uh, let's just transition here to uh, the area of equipping people. All that you've described mm-hmm. kind of assumes people can do these kind of things that you're members. So how do you get your people up to being equipped? What's your philosophy there in growing churches? What have you seen? Yeah, again, observations of many churches. What I recommend if a church has not been doing this, they take a Sunday night and equip the entire church in one disciple-making book. And there are a lot of good ones out there. The pastor just needs to choose. Equip everybody. Okay, just take Sunday nights for... Thirteen weeks, twenty weeks, whatever you need to do. So everyone has a filled out book with questions answered. Uh, No one church taught it for a year. They taught every Sunday school class for a year their book, and therefore everybody's comfortable. So that is the way you start equipping. And then, like, if I was taking somebody through the discipleship material, especially this first round, I would have somebody sit in and watch how to do that. So you always have somebody watching. Mentoring is you're taking somebody and through. The equipping it. here is it's not so much how to do it, it's you may learn that, but it's actually the content of what's being taught. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yes and yes. Okay. How to relate to people, how to answer questions, how to pray with people, how to ask people for their prayer request, you know, as you're meeting with them. So these sessions would last 45 minutes? Yeah, 45 minutes. The time of a Sunday night service, right. you got to be in and out in okay. an hour. So Sunday morning is preaching, singing, mm-hmm. a general service like we think of, very focused on evangelism and identifying people, but you're feeding your people and so forth and so mm-hmm. forth. Sunday night sounds like once this program's all in place, is not a just a generic service that's a normal like a Sunday morning service. Am I Correct. thinking right? You're right? It has this more teaching discipleship. And then Wednesday night, again, is not just a generic Wednesday night service that tacks something on. It's actually structured for this very purpose Yeah, and most it, weeks, I take it. And so during the, you walk in the building, you would see different people meeting one-on-one, two-on-two, and going through the material. Yeah. It may only be some weeks, two to three couples going through okay. it. So there is a service. There is a service going on, oh, yes. Oh, so the it? service is continually going on and the disciple making is going on okay. at the same time. Right. Or meeting or whatever needs you may come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that all, that all sounds good. It, it, other common traits in growing churches that 
I'll tell you one that another one I've noticed is, um, especially going back to the web page, mm-hmm. growing churches are aware of the need of offer online giving. That's really interesting to me. Online giving. Online giving. All right. Now, growing churches and uh, online giving. Right. If I went, I, I know. Explain uh, all that. All to right. Me. So your your children hold. Give me uh, um, my children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Twenty nine to thirty eight. Right. I think. So if I walked up to your twenty nine year old and I said, I want to see your checkbook. <laughs> all right. So I know I don't my think kids. Any of my kids even balance a checkbook. All right. So what I'm saying is, very few. <laughs> I would say 40 and under from those I've surveyed carry a checkbook. I don't have a checkbook in my pocket, do you? We got uh, credit no, card. No, my wife carries it though. Okay. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, so you don't swipe your credit card at church, no. but to offer online. I say, I, I say offer online giving for a couple of reasons. Number one, it gives those who do that, it's still thought through. They still have to make a choice to do it. They pray through it. Now, again, I'm all for putting it in the plate. I put my check in the plate. Yeah. But here's what I found with online giving. People that appreciate what you're doing, that God is blessed financially, may or may not have been a member of your church. They want to be a part of what God is doing. So again, a personal illustration to show what I'm talking about here. So we started online giving. I had a dear friend I grew up with who was, uh, he's now with the Lord. He'd come down with Lou Gehrig's disease. Well, he watched us online. The first week, we offered online giving. He sent in a very substantial check. Wow. Well, not a check, but he gave online. Yeah. And so I think what you find is people that have been through the ministry, maybe a member at one time, and they know what you're doing, and they know if you had an extra 10000 50000 100000 you got a plan to reach your community with it. Yeah. They're going to give. So online giving yeah. is a blessing yeah. to those in your church that give electronically, but also allows people to participate. You don't want to be dependent on that, but allows people to be a blessing to you because you have blessed them through your ministry. And and I'm thinking, we talked earlier about uh, prioritizing in your your missions giving or in addition to your missions giving some local evangelism. A few gifts like that would totally resupply whatever you've already invested out of what you might have done with that money in a Absolutely. normal yeah so it's uh, or, or it gives you capital to do more evangelism discipleship locally with so throughout all this i think the theme to kind of wrap all this up i think the theme is equip believers equip disciples continually making disciples that if i believe god is working i believe we as pastors as church leaders should have the privilege of sitting on the front row and see what God is doing through the lives of our people. Mm-hmm. But we so often get so overwhelmed with the current pressures of hospital visitation, which is real, the current problems in the church, which are real. Mm-hmm. Okay, So as we do this, Bruce, I want you to comment on the biblical view of growing churches. Okay, So this is not just about adding numbers. Right. Okay, I know you've done some messages on So I want you to wrap this up on your view of of growth. You know, the the book of Acts very frequently notes the numerical growth that was taking place. Sometimes giving a figure, this Mm -hmm. number of people came to the Lord or were baptized, especially in the early books, early chapters of the book of Acts. And then at other times it would just say a great number was added to the Lord or many believed or whatever the terminology would be used. So I take that, that the Spirit of God is underscoring 
that growth is a good thing. Now, we have a modern church growth movement that has done a lot of damage to the yeah, spiritual integrity has. of ministries because it's, it is a secularized or secular mm-hmm. underpinnings, humanistic uh, ideas that have fed that thing. And so you have numerical growth, but you, you don't have necessarily accompanying spiritual growth or solid yeah. biblical ministry. Well so it gets distorted over time. But I think we have to be careful not to throw out growth as a good thing mm-hmm. uh, because of the damage that's been done by the modern church growth or church marketing movement. And we know that growth, apart from a sound biblical ministry, is meaningless because God's not called us to get bodies in a building per se. He's not caused us to fill football stadiums. That's He can do that by his mighty power right. and when he wants to with truly converted people. But our priority is not growth, numerical growth first, it's spiritual ministry and solid biblical and sound gospel ministry. But when we have sound gospel ministry with a heart to grow, then I, mm-hmm. I see that being a great thing. And Marshall, I just throw this as a side note. What I have noticed with pastors is that, you know, some pastors are strongly gifted as teachers or mm-hmm. they, they actually might have a little bit of a, a quieter, turned-in personality just as their own personal characteristic but i i do find that growing churches have engaging pastors Mm. it's so important to be engaged with the community being Mm. engaged with lost people meeting new people and expanding the borders of the ministry so that it's not just perpetually status quo kind of situation so i would encourage pastors to understand the underlying factors that contribute to a growing church. And while we've talked about methodologies you personally used, I I heard pastor put it this way, we don't adopt, we adapt. Mm -hmm. In other words, don't try to imitate what another church is doing. Make it your own, let it fit your personality, your your church's personality, your intentions, where you are in your, uh, the process of your church development and make it work. Somebody else may see something work great. If you just try to adopt it right at my it might backfire on you because uh, it's not the right time. General, your church, your community, and the scriptures and how you're teaching this, right? Because exactly. without the power of God, yeah. without the Word of God, there's not the power exactly. of God. Exactly. Yeah. And then just a couple of thoughts would be to, to live in reality. Hmm. There are challenges in certain communities. I just had a conversation this morning with a pastor in Long Island, New York. Took a church of 17 people that had been on the skids for a long time, and it was very small and uh, challenging ministry. It used to be much larger. He came in. He is an engaging guy. Mm-hmm. He loves evangelism and discipleship. And over nine years, he's seen that church grow to 200 people. Mm-hmm. This is in a tough community. Mm-hmm. And he said 80% of the people are first-generation mm-hmm. believers. So Amen. you know, somebody else could come to that community and say, nobody mm-hmm. wants the gospel. Nobody's interested. Everybody's hard. But this man came in with a different mindset. So I say live in reality, but don't make excuses mm-hmm. for a lack of growth. Keep a strong work ethic, working hard at the most important spiritual task of ministry. And then I think it's important to remember that, as far as I know, there's no church that is always perpetually growing. Mm-hmm. There are seasons of growth. Mm-hmm. There are plateaus. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a settling that takes place where maybe you have grown. I remember we, we in the church I was in, we grew to about 200 people, and then in a short period of time, we lost 50. Hmm, yeah. And you know, it was hard, and yet it built back. 
So you just don't get off your equilibrium and get panicky if if you do sometimes you know sink a little bit in attendance, but keep going and just watch God at work. So there are times of, of increases, there are plateaus, there's times of settling, but hopefully the trajectory over the long haul will be that this church is growing numerically, spiritually, and so on. Amen. You may have some other thoughts. No, I appreciate the way you wrapped that up. And again, for our pastors and, and deacons and church leaders that are listening, pastors, wives, you know, Bruce is here to help. I'm here to help. Do you want to get in touch with Bruce? Bruce, give out your email address. Yeah, it's uh, bmcallister at gfamissions.org. Yep. So I'm the director of ministry relations now, working with church planning, uh, somewhat with Marsh on uh, the interim pastor program, and then we're looking to add church staffing in time to come. But we're just trying to be, between you and me, we're just trying to be all things we can be of help to the American churches particularly. And of course, we're very interested at GFA in the international scene as well, but we've got to be strong at home if we're going to be strong abroad from exactly. an American perspective. So. Exactly. Well said. And if you have any ideas for future podcasts, email those in. My email address is m. F-A-N-T at gfamissions.org. And again, Bruce is B. McAllister at gfamissions.org. And I think we're both thankful for GFA for sponsoring the podcast. Yes. And especially for Sarah's work and putting all this together. So thanks to Sarah Hartwig. And again, part of our ministry is church consulting. So if you would like for me to come out and, and help you analyze what you're doing and assist you, that's what we're here to do. But this is about reaching souls for Christ. Yeah about equipping disciples to continue to make disciples. And hopefully all that's done for the glory of God. Amen. So, Bruce, thanks for joining us. Hey, okay, my privilege. Thank you for Thank letting you. me interview you, Mark. Amen. All right. It's been a privilege. Thank you very much. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.